0: This program is presented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hi, I'm Sarah Gregory, and today I'm talking with Dr. Ross Boyce, an infectious disease physician at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. We'll be discussing Ehrlichia in North Carolina. Welcome, Dr. Boyce.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So what is Ehrlichia, and how is it different from other tick-borne diseases?
1: Ehrlichia is a genus of bacteria, uh, generally considered weakly gram-negative, an intracellular bacteria that was originally discovered around the turn of the last century in South Africa, but is something that we commonly refer to as a tick-borne disease in the United States.
0: I understand that Ehrlichia is an intracellular disease, the same as leprosy, but what does that actually mean?
1: Ehrlichia specifically, um, in regard to the tick-borne disease, infects the monocytes and macrophages and can only be found in those cells, uh, which is where it gets the, the term uh, intracellular bacteria. And you can compare this to, for example, anaplasma, uh, which is another tick-borne disease, um, which infects the granulocytes, or rickettsia, which often infects the endothelial cells, Um, This does have some implications for diagnoses because it's harder to isolate the bacteria from the peripheral blood.
0: So how does a new tick disease get introduced into an area? How how does it spread?
1: I think you have to consider three different factors when you're thinking about the spread of a tick-borne disease. Obviously, the first is the tick. The other is the geography of the area. And the other is humans or animals, which often serve as the reservoir of the infection. One of the reasons, I think, that we have seen a spread in tick-borne disease, as was noted recently in one of the CDC's announcements over the summer, um, is that people are moving into um, suburban areas that are often wooded um, and becoming in closer contact with both the tick and a lot of the animal reservoirs, such as deer and mice.
0: What diseases have been linked to ticks in North Carolina?
1: If you were to ask someone here in North Carolina, I think the most common response you would receive is Rocky Mountain spotted fever. I'm not so sure that that is true, and we can discuss that later, but uh, clearly the spotted fever rickettsial group, which includes Rocky Mountain spotted fever, is common. Um, There is increasing evidence of some Lyme disease um, being spread in the northwest part of the state. And then alpha-gal, which you may have heard about, which is commonly referred to as a meat allergy, which is actually not an infection, but the transmission of a carbohydrate from the lone star tick. What
0: made you initially suspect that Ehrlichia was being underdiagnosed? Is it actually new to North Carolina, or has it been there a while and just not noticed?
1: I first encountered Ehrlichia taking care of a young woman in our intensive care unit here at Chapel Hill. She had presented with high fevers, fatigue, um, a skin rash, and it had not yet been diagnosed. She had had a test for the rickettsial species, including Rocky Mountain spotted fever scent, that was negative, but it was only after the test for Ehrlichia came back almost a week later that was positive that we identified what was the cause. Fortunately, she had been on the appropriate treatment and recovered well. The experience, however, really made me think about what it is we're testing for when we think about tick-borne disease here in North Carolina. I think it's unlikely that Ehrlichia is new to North Carolina. I think it has just been largely underdiagnosed. In fact, it gets its name Ehrlichia chaffiensis from Fort Chafee, in Arkansas, where it was first discovered in 1989.
0: So, to investigate this, your study looked at patient records from UNC hospitals and clinics in the summer of 2016. What specifically were you looking for?
1: I really wanted to see what doctors were doing when they thought about ticks. When they saw a patient who they suspected there might be a tick-borne disease, I was curious what they were testing for. Were they looking for Rocky Mountain spotted fever? Were they looking for Ehrlichia? Or were they testing for other things? In addition, I was curious how they were handling treatment decisions.
0: And what did you find?
1: Well, what we found is that about three-quarters of patients were tested for the spotted fever group Rickettsia. About two-thirds were tested for Lyme disease, but only one-third were tested for Ehrlichia. Now, what we did, because the serum was stored in all of those patients for 90 days after the testing was performed, is we went back and we tested those individuals who did not have Ehrlichia testing performed initially. We called this retrospective testing. And in the cohort of those who had retrospective testing performed, we found that the prevalence of reactive antibodies to Ehrlichia was very similar to that seen with the spotted fever group. And while it's not a perfect comparison, it does suggest that what we're seeing is that Ehrlichia is equally as prevalent as the spotted fever Rickettsia. Does Ehrlichia
0: present differently? I mean, the symptoms are exactly the same as these other diseases?
1: The symptoms are not exactly the same, but most tick-borne diseases that we see here in North Carolina present with very nonspecific symptoms, and these are things that can look like flu, a cold, or, or more common illnesses. They're things like fever, headache, body aches, occasionally rashes, especially with ehrlichia and the spotted fever group rickettsia, uh, but also it can be very nonspecific things like diarrhea and upset stomach. So at what point would somebody
0: go to an infectious disease doctor for testing for these things? I mean, if I had flu symptoms or cold symptoms, i just think I had a cold or a flu and stay home.
1: That was one of the interesting findings to me in our study is that the vast majority of patients were initially seen by what I would consider frontline providers. So these are primary care physicians, your internists and family medicine doctors, and emergency room physicians. Only about 5% of them were seen by infectious disease physicians.
0: So why do you think doctors were less likely to order testing for Ehrlichia than Lyme or Rickettsia?
1: I think that physicians and the patients are more aware of both Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever and Lyme disease because of what you can find on the Internet and in the media. Certainly, Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever can be fatal, and I think that physicians are rightfully concerned about that when they're worried about tick-borne diseases. However, where I think there's a disconnect is when you look at the population of the ticks. Some of my colleagues here at the University of North Carolina and at North Carolina State University have done some studies where they go out and just look at what sort of ticks are being pulled off of people. And what you find is that the ticks that carry Lyme disease and Rocky Mountain spotted fever are, are uncommon. We're talking 5%, 10% of all the ticks that are pulled off of people. In contrast, the Lone Star tick is about 90% of the ticks that's being pulled off of people. Now, this has implications because the Lone Star Tick does not carry, or at least is not a competent vector of Rocky Mountain spotted fever or Lyme disease. So if we're seeing that most of the ticks are Lone Star Ticks, then what you should expect is that most of the diseases are going to be diseases that are carried by the Lone Star Tick. And I think that that message has not yet been communicated or taken up by the medical community, perhaps because it's a... Um, entomology issue as opposed to a medical issue. So,
0: what other besides ehrlichia? What other diseases are carried by the lone star ticks?
1: Ehrlichia is probably the most common disease that we're seeing here carried by the lone star tick. Um, STARI, the southern tick-associated rash illness, has also been associated with the lone star tick, as well as alpha gal, which is the meat allergy that I mentioned previously.
0: How will these results affect care for tick-borne illnesses in North Carolina?
1: So first, let me say that our results should not affect the way providers treat patients when there's a high suspicion for tick-borne disease. It takes up to a week or two weeks for someone to develop antibodies uh, to a tick-borne disease. Therefore, if physicians have a high suspicion... They should treat patients empirically, which means regardless of the test result. And typically, that is uh, five to 10 days of doxycycline. Now, that doesn't mean that testing does not have a role, and it is especially important in trying to understand the epidemiology of tick borne disease here in North Carolina. And that itself is important in understanding the best ways that we can advise uh, residents about avoidance, prevention, and ultimately control measures.
0: So how can this lack of testing be overcome? Should people who have symptoms be more aware of these diseases, or is it up to doctors and clinicians to be more aware of the possibility of various tick-borne diseases, not just Lyme and rickettsia?
1: I don't think that it should be a burden on the patient's. Certainly, physicians and providers should be more aware of the diseases that are endemic in their areas. On the other hand, I'm also someone who believes that we can make this a little bit simpler. One of the things that I've recommended here, and we're perhaps in the process of slowly adapting, are things like tick-borne panels or reflex testing. And what I mean by that is that if you think that your patient might be at risk of a tick-borne disease and you want to order that test, you automatically get the spotted fever group rickettsia and Ehrlichia. Alternatively, you could have reflex testing, where if you order a Rocky Mountain spotted fever test, then it's negative, then it automatically gets reflexed to an Ehrlichia test as well. I think this would significantly improve our understanding and and the reporting of these diseases.
0: Okay, so Dr. Boyce, what's your specialty? I, I know you're an infectious disease um, physician. Is there any area particularly that you're more interested in? And um, how are you interested in tick-borne diseases in North Carolina? And do you have any personal experience with it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, growing up here in North Carolina, I think everyone has some experiences with uh, ticks, if you've been out in the woods at all. I am actually a researcher, and the main topic that I research is malaria in western Uganda. Uh-huh. However, um, as you may know, malaria is not um, very prevalent here in North Carolina, but a lot of the principles of malaria control and understanding the relationship between people and insects uh, apply to ticks. And so when I'm here in the U.S., it's an area of, of interest. So you travel a good bit. I do.
0: Uh-huh. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Boyce, for being on our podcast today. Listeners can read the November 2018 article, Ehrlichia Infections, North Carolina, USA, 2016. I'm Sarah Gregory for Emerging Infectious Diseases. For the most accurate health information, visit cdc.gov or call 1-800-CDC-INFO.